This is Sex Ed Debunked, a cross-generational podcast hosted by mother-daughter duo, Christine and Channing Curley, where we talk about all the things you learned or didn't learn in sex ed and where it all went wrong. From the abstinence curriculum to the monogamy myth and the vast spectrum of rainbow representation, we'll get real about sex positivity and catch you up on everything from proper anatomy to the holistic benefits of a great sex life. Tune in to Sex Ed Debunked wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us at Sex Ed Debunked on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hi, and welcome to Sex Ed Debunked, a cross-generational podcast about sex positivity, sexual health, and how the 12 Days of Christmas is just a song about a person whose love language is receiving gifts. Good. Very clever, Shannon. (laughs) On today's episode, we're going to debunk the myth that Baby It's Cold Outside is a song about a sketchball pressuring a partner on Christmas. (laughs) And instead, we're going to look at Baby It's Cold Outside through the lens of some of the myths we've tackled in this first quote-unquote semester, if you will, of Sex Ed Debunked. A bit of a review before we take our holiday break. So before we get into it, um, quick history of Baby It's Cold Outside. The song was written in 1944 as a party song that couples would sing when the party was over. So like, so long, farewell, get out of our house. Um, <laughs> in 1949, it actually won the Academy Award for Best Original Song, which I had no idea. Um, and that was in the movie Neptune's Daughter. But much like Die Hard, Baby It's Cold Outside was not written as a Christmas song. Hey, but is hey, now... hey, Die Hard is a Christmas cast classic. Well, that's why I'm making the comparison is because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, much like Baby It's Cold Outside has become a Christmas song, True. despite not being intended initially as a holiday classic. Um, however... Baby, It's Cold Outside has had, as we all know, a lot of controversy around it about whether it's a song about pressuring a partner to stay against their own wishes. But we would like to take a step back and see how true that really is. So let's kick it off. All right. So first, let's review affirmative consent. Remember the acronym FRIES that we talked about several weeks ago. Freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic, and specific. Do we have that here, Shannon? Well, I think the so I think the most obvious one off the bat is reversible, right? Because the singer says that she's, you know, maybe she'll stay for another drink. Maybe she'll stay for another cigarette. So for me, it sounds like she's free to make her own choices in that regard. So for me, the R is there because she's like, well, maybe I should go. Maybe I should stay. But it's it seems like it's up to her. I agree. I agree. And I think it's clear that she is thinking about her options. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not in the most free way in terms of society, but for herself, she's thinking, hmm, I'm going to weigh my options. And despite the flirty banter, I don't feel like the decision that was was coming from outside of her in in the context of the opening scenes, at least. So reversible. I think we have reversible covered. I think we've Enthusiastic. Well, she says the evening's been nice and that she ought to say no, but that doesn't mean that she wants to say no. And then the ends the song by saying, you've been really grand. So I would say that there's some enthusiasm. But then the things that seem to make her hold back on that enthusiasm is really just the perceptions of other people. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the trick in this song. Right. Because once let's go back now, you, like you said, Shannon, with the history, 1944, 1944, she's worried about social norms. She's worried about what other people are. Right. Thinking. She literally says there's bound to be talk tomorrow. Right. And and so this is where we talk about our positive sexuality. We're talking about changing those norms and changing that script into being OK to express like, 
I like being here. You are grand. And this has been a swell time. And to be really enthusiastic about it, rather than feeling like socially because of other people, she has to hold back. So she's trying right. to embrace her, her enthusiasm positive. has been squashed by the expectations or perceptions of others. But I think we could make the argument that she would be more enthusiastic if she didn't have to worry about that social pressure. Well, and I think in her dialogue with the the gentleman in the song, she is kind of enthusiastic with him. And then she pulls back and she's enthusiastic and she pulls back. Right. She says, I ought to say no, but that doesn't mean she wants to say no. That's right. So when we talk about our myth way, way back about sexual uh, being sex positive, being radical at this time, it probably still was a little bit radical. But this is almost starting to trend in the direction of like, I do want to stay, though. Well, and if you think historically, 1944, we're talking about the end of the Second World War. Right. And and during the war, what happened? Women had to go into the factories. Women had to do more. Women went to war. Women were pulling equal weight. So the norms were shifting in a in albeit probably too slow. But for her in this song, maybe she's pushing those norms a little for herself. And I think what's interesting is that she owns this narrative. He he's the responder. She's the caller. Excellent point. And and actually, the funny thing is in the. Uh, in musical terms, when the caller is called the wolf, the responder is called the mouse. So she's the wolf and he's the mouse <laughs> in this song. So that's interesting to keep in, in mind historically, too. Um, but I think so enthusiasm. I think we've got reversible. I think we do have enthusiasm. It's just enthusiasm that's being you know, influenced by the times. But then I think where it starts to get a little bit uh, is is the consent freely given. And the reason why I think that's something that people get hung up on is because he, the the mouse, <laughs> the <laughs> responder, <laughs> insists, you know, there's no cabs to be had. How can you do this to me? And that does kind of feel a little bit like co coercion and a little bit of pressure. I think it does. I think it I think for those who are um, part of the quote unquote controversy, they see that as pressure. Mm -hmm. But I think when you listen to the song, arguably it could just be flirtatious and it could also be that flirting that women were allowed to do. You were allowed to say no, and it was it was that cat and mouse game, maybe not wolf and mouse, but, <laughs> but that's that was the script. That is has been the sexual script among at least heterosexual men and women in relationships for decades. That she has to say no, and he has to say please, and she has to say no, and he has to say poor me. And not that that's a healthy dynamic, but I do think that was the dynamic in 1944. At the end of the day, he did not actually pressure her to do anything more than she wanted to. Right. And maybe their communication style is just a little bit flirty. And I think some of this depends on the context of the couple, much, much as it depends on the context of the times. But we don't really know anything about this, the relationship between, you know, this caller and this responder, this wolf and this mouse. Um, <laughs> I love referring to the wolf and I just love that the, the typical male part is the mouse. Um but so like, you know, doing a little bit of unpacking communications, literature background, I just like to, you know, take things apart. But she asks to borrow a coat, which implies some degree of familiarity. There's definitely an intention to see each other again because she's going to, it's lend me a coat. It's not give me your coat. I'm running away with it. I'm never coming back. It's right. lend it to me. I'll see you soon. So they do seem to already know each other. So there is sort of a relationship there. You know, maybe, yes, he's flirting and he's saying, baby, don't go. But in like a cute way, you know? And I think he was, the intention was that he was going to give her the coat. Right. He was going to be like, okay, cool. We right. get to He's see not each other again. actually, you know, physically forcing her to stay. He's, uh, you know, pouring her a drink and telling her to put another record on if she's going to stay. 
And that's kind of nice. That's, I mean, going back to our last episode, that is, you know, sensual mindfulness. He's like, put a record on, listen to the fireplace roar, I'll pour you a drink. In some ways, he's being very attentive to her needs. And and the sensuality of maybe the liquor tastes good and warm and... And not for nothing, but he does ask. The only, like, thing he does really that's physical at all is he asks, mind if I move in closer? the one thing he really asks and he's specific about. And and there you go. There's the myth. Your partner should know what you want. He was able to ask. He was able to communicate. And communicate. And presumably she said yes. We don't hear it in the song, but she stayed. So presumably she was comfortable with it. And she once again was able to very be very specific with her consent. He asked to move closer. And we presume that she said yes. So this is this is some great sexual communication. In I fact, so. <laughs> I also so we keep calling them he and she because typically this is done as a duet. But while we're here, good time to revisit our myth that gay and straight are the only options because baby is a gender neutral yes, term, y'all, which means this song can be sung by anyone of any gender in any type of relationship, which, by the way, is an open call for someone to please do a poly version of the song <laughs> <laughs> called Babies. It's cold outside. <laughs> you have so many different parts. You got a cat, you got a mouse, you got a wolf, bring everyone. Maybe not furries, though. I mean, furries if you want. Well, you know, the cat is kind of furry, so we're okay with that. But but maybe more versions of the song would make it seem like it's it's fun and go back to the fun of the song rather than the controversy of the song. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that because there's been quite a number of remakes in the last, you know, decade or so. Um, this song really started getting, quote unquote, canceled, not really until like 2018. And that's when sort of around the some Me of the Too. Me Too stuff was when it got, you know, people started saying, oh, this might be a little problematic. And frankly, it's good for culture to occasionally reassess, right, and, and see mm-hmm. if it's problematic. We're just ar- arguing in this episode that maybe it's not as problematic as we think. But uh, I know John Legend and Kelly Clarkson came out with another version where, you know, John Legend offers to get her an Uber, which is funny. <laughs> Modern updates. Um, and then actually there was a, a movie on Netflix out right now. I think it just came out this year called Love Hard, which on the whole was pretty terrible. But there's a very <laughs> cute remake of Baby It's Cold Outside where basically the male responder is like, if you want to go, just go. It's like the entire That's song awesome. where she's like, I really can't stay. And he's like, OK, let me <laughs> let me get you an Uber. I got to go away. All right. Cool. Let me get your coat. Like right. he's just being like hyper respectful. So, yeah. So there's been a lot of different versions uh, of it. And I think like we're saying, there could be a poly version of it. The song is open for any and all interpretation. Well, and then so bringing it back to Fry's, like you said, there maybe there isn't that much specific about this song. Um, and we can't assume that the person is asking the singer wants anything beyond more time and being together. So I think that the specific of the consent was getting closer and the rest is left to when she comes back with the coat. <laughs> yeah. So two lines that we should talk about, though, because I think these okay. are two of the ones that uh, concern people the most and probably a valid concern. So one, the responder says at one point, baby, don't hold out, which kind of feels like calling her a tease for holding out on him. So I don't mm-hmm. love that. I don't love it either. This is true. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think I think if we kind of go back to those sexual scripts and the gendered norms. I mean, there is the man was supposed to pursue. The woman was supposed to say no. Um, and so the song and she literally says, I ought to say no, no, no. So, and she yeah. she ought to. But, you know, she's trying to assert her agency. I think there's a piece of her that wants to explore more time with this gentleman. And I do think he's being a gentleman. I mean, yes. Oh, don't he's hold out. Very her. sweet. He's saying a lot of cute things to her. Maybe like, he's love bombing her a little bit, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, he was making her feel beautiful. I mean, think about the compliments and think about that um, in the love language of affirmation. Your lips are delicious. You're beautiful. I mean, those aren't bad things. I mean, we we tend to want to interpret it as him pressuring her, but he's basically saying, I think you're so awesome and and you're holding out because I really want more. But in the end, he's like, mm, okay, let's just, let's just sit here on the couch or pour another drink and listen to some music. I don't love the language, but I think if you listen to the song and you go back to the historical context, I don't think it's as egregious as 2018 made it. Um, And as an aside, I thought it was canceled. So I was driving here to do this recording with you and I asked Pandora and Pandora couldn't find it. And I asked Spotify and Spotify didn't find it on my phone. Um, But of course, it could just be my phone. But then it came on the radio and I got to listen to it here. And I was like, this is kind of a fun, flirty song. I can see why people liked it. (laughs) So I guess I'm at this point, I am team baby. It's cold outside. (laughs) Okay, but we can't ignore the other contentious line in the song, which is when the caller, the mouse said, or sorry, the uh, yeah, the caller, the wolf, says, say, what's in this drink? Um, a lot of people think that that implies that he put something into her but drink. you looked at the history, didn't you? Well, I did. And also, like, I, I mean, unless it's a horror movie, like, who has just, like, roofies just, like, in their home? Um, <laughs> but for what it's worth, context is important. And in 1944, what's in this drink was actually a cheeky way of sort of excusing one's improper or unexpected behavior. So, like, staying too late at the home of a gentleman caller, like, What's in this drink was more of a uh, you like know, a general, oh, like, how silly me. I can't believe. Oh, I couldn't believe I let this night get away from me like this. But it's not <laughs> specific to the song or the scenario. So take that um, as you will. Well, and in, in truth, do we, don't we still do that in, in our culture? We, we do like to have an excuse sometimes. You know, I had an extra couple of drinks that night and I was I was a little louder than usual. I I sung karaoke when I don't usually sing karaoke. I mean, sometimes people do use alcohol to get a little less inhibited. And um, she clearly wasn't drunk. There was no slurring in the song. Um, and what's in this drink did sound flirty. It's me. true. There is no slurring in the song. <laughs> also, I'm happy to report that there are 15 different versions of Baby It's Cold Outside on Spotify that <laughs> I just looked up. So if you want to get a refresher on Baby It's Cold Outside, you can go ahead and listen now. And while you're at it, go listen to the rest of our episodes. That sounds great, too. <laughs> um, so let's let's wrap up a little bit. Um, we do think that Baby It's Cold Outside does talk about communication. If you listen to it, as you said, was it say call and... Call and response. Call and response. Wolf and mouse. So call and response, wolf and mouse is a communication, right? One says one, one responds. They say, they go back, they go forth. It was, it's not like some uh, country songs that are a little more even explicit. <laughs> so I think this was actually probably a good display of communication and a good dis- display of a woman struggling to find her agency to be able to say out loud what she wants and pushing her own sexual boundaries in a good way because he's not pushing them. She's the one who ultimately makes every little decision along the way. Maybe we need a new version, a 2022 version that's, you know, baby, it's cold outside. I'm absolutely staying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would like to hear the consent be much more enthusiastic. Yeah. But in the end, she did say it's been swell. Um, which, of course, is a great term from the 1940s, right? Gee, that's swell. <laughs> if, it was, if it was in the 70s, it would be groovy, right? So maybe that's one of the adaptations that you find on Spotify. Maybe there's one that says, 
you know, baby, it's chilly outside and it's been really groovy to hang with you, dude. Dude. <laughs> uh-huh. A girl can dream. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's up for interpretation, but I do think that we've debunked the myth that baby, it's cold outside should be canceled. Yeah, it shouldn't be canceled. There's a lot worse Christmas songs out there, holiday songs out there, like Christmas shoes. Never. Never. Never, <laughs> never listen to that song. So there you have it. Our first semester of Sex That Debunked is a wrap, pun intended. Um, yep. mul- multiple puns intended. Christmas wraps, wrapping it up, whatever you want. This pun is intended. Our first season is over. We hope you've learned a few things about sex and sexuality and mindfulness and maybe engaged in conversations with yourself and others that you might not have thought of before. We'll be back on January 5th. We're going to take a little winter break. Um, We'll have what they call in college syllabus day, and we'll map out some of the myths that we'll be debunking and topics we'll be covering in the spring semester. Um, We've received a ton of great ideas from our listeners so far, but we definitely would love to hear more. And our goal for next season, next semester, is to have it be, uh, I don't know, Socratic seminar style where we take your feedback and we make our episodes about what you really want to learn about. Yep. And and part of our intent is going to, you know, this was kind of the, this was the intro course. Um, We did a lot of myths that were kind of um, maybe on the more basic side, but our thought next semester is to really kind of dig into some of the topics we covered on a surface level much more deeply, much more intensely, and a lot more um, explanation of the research and the academics behind it. And um, we definitely want your feedback because I think there is so much to cover in sexual myths, and there's so much that I'm hearing that a lot of people are interested in. And we want to um, bring the information that you guys really, really need. So keep following us on social. Um, If you've missed any episodes, it's a great time to catch up. Please continue to share with your friends and family. Uh, And for now, I guess that's our first season. Put Put to to bed. bed. (laughs) (laughs) Have a happy holidays, a happy, sensual, and pleasure-filled new year. And we'll see you in typical dad joke style. We'll see you next year. We will. We will. So have a... um, Happy New Year, a pleasure-filled New Year, a sensation-filled New Year, and we love you. Keep listening. (laughs) Keep listening. (laughs) All right. Bye now. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of Sex Ed Debunked. During the course of our podcast, we have limited time together, which means that unfortunately, many identities, groups, and movements may not be represented each week. The field of sexuality and gender orientations, identities, and behaviors are changing and growing rapidly, and we remain committed to being as inclusive as possible. Please remember that all of us, including us, are learning in this area and may occasionally slip up. We ask that we all continue to be kind to one another so that we can create a truly inclusive and accepting environment. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us at Sex Ed Debunked on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Sex Ed Debunked is produced by Trailblaze Media along with myself, Shannon Curley, and Christine Curley. From Trailblaze Media, our engineering is handled by Ezra Winters. Mm-hmm.